You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. It's time for Fantasy Sports Today right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. That is FNTSY. Thanks so much for joining us. Dan Straffer, Mike Blewett this Saturday morning, taking up to 11 o'clock on the East Coast, talking all things sports. We have plenty to get to across today's show. Lots in Major League Baseball. Some rule changes coming to the Atlantic League. Yes, I say that again, the Atlantic League, but how that may play forward in Major League Baseball. We'll talk some NBA playoffs are around the corner and plenty of teams tanking at this point. We'll change the scope and uh, landscape of how these games roll out. But Mike, plenty of NFL to talk about on this Saturday morning in March. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Almost too much news to keep up with, but that's the way we like it. If we don't get to every piece of news, uh, that means there's a lot going on or we're bad at our jobs. I'll, I'll side with the former and not the <laughs> latter. Uh, Atlantic League Baseball doesn't get a lot of shout outs. I usually go to a couple of games a year because there's a Long Island team, the Ducks. Long Island Ducks. So I usually hit one or two of those games a year, bring the kids. Uh, they could care less about baseball, but there's a bouncy house and cotton candy and, uh, you know. Daddy can sit down and have a beverage and watch a little bit of baseball. Lou Ford, always in the mix. The Long Island Ducks, former major leaguer. Yeah, I remember I I was a uh, Somerset Patriots uh, fan, I guess you would say, in air quotes. I would go to their games uh, when I was living in New Jersey. I remember there there are some some major league players in the backside of their career uh, who make their – John Rocker was an L.I. Duck for a little while. Uh, That was uh, long ago, but uh, it's – there are there are big changes coming to the Atlantic League in partnership with Major League Baseball. We'll talk about that uh, in the second hour and how that may run down some uh, of the issues that Major League Baseball and the MLBPA are going through at current. But, Mike, where do you want to start with the NFL? There's lots to break down. There is the obvious Antonio Brown trade rumors. There's the Michael Bennett trade. Vernon's traded to the Browns. You have Amendola released. You have uh, Weddle signing with the LA Rams. Is there, which story do you think deserves the most top billing here on this crazy run up to the league start year? Look, we're going to get into almost all of it, but I do think an interesting angle for me and something that I've been waiting to see is if the Giants are going to go all the way and blow this thing up. Yep. And I thought some Giants fans are ticked that Landon Collins didn't get franchised. They're obviously not going to make a serious run at him. I'd be surprised if they did in order to keep him. It's okay, by the way, to not franchise your own guy and then re-sign him. It typically doesn't happen, though, because it, signed, it's, it lines up like, well, we have the opportunity to keep you here. We'll just franchise you. We'll negotiate a longer-term contract and move on. But I think potentially that them letting him walk, and we'll see where he ends up, is the first sign of blowing things up. Sign number two was Olivier Vernon being traded. They had to get rid of him. He was carrying a huge number. He wasn't as productive as that salary would suggest. By the way, it's a pretty good fit for the Browns. It's adding depth to that defensive line rotation, which is already pretty damn good. Um uh, saying the Browns for real is just late, but uh, they're getting better through this offseason as well. John Dorsey has picked up where Sashi Brown has left off, and they continue to pick up good players, and they still have room under the cap. So the Giants discussion, I do think, is becoming interesting. I think that every single player on the team, not named Saquon Barkley and Will Hernandez, are on the block. But what I really do think is going to happen is that they're stripping it all down defensively. They're stripping it down offensively as far as they can go. Because here's the reality now. They actually just made another trade for an offensive lineman this week. Um, I'm, I'm blanking right now who it is because, as I said earlier, there's so much going on. Look it up for me, Dan, if you, if you have a minute. They sure. just traded for another offensive lineman. They have Solder there. They have Will Hernandez. 
Well, is, they is have Zeitler six, is Zeitler right. and Vernon Kevin trade. Zeitler, yeah. right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. The Zeitler-Vernon trade back and forth. So now they have Zeitler, who is a better name than his play suggested last year. But they have Zeitler, Solder, Hernandez, Saquon, Beckham, Ingram, Shepard. Draft another offensive lineman and make a move for a quarterback. And your offense is actually in a decent position. Sure. And then you have to spend the entire next two drafts and some of free agency building the defense back up. The reality, Dan, is signing Landon Collins to a long-term deal right now at big money means that you're committing money to a guy who's probably going to play on a bad defense and the team isn't going to be all the way there. Two years from now, you can make that signing, maybe even next year. But right now, I actually don't think it made sense. Yep, uh, I, I'm right there with you, and it is amazing. I think over the last three years, the Giants have traded or released their top tackler from that season <laughs> in yeah. succession at this point. Um, listen, you can you can rag on Gettleman for a lot of reasons. I think there are you know a list, and I think trading oh, yeah. Beckham would be top of the list if they managed to get this wrong here. But uh, I'm not patting him on the back for my Right. Name. The trade just, for... Yeah. Uh, this lineman is a good one and getting rid of Vernon's contract, though he signed him to it um, is a good one. So getting out from underneath that I think is worth at least a thumbs up for Gettleman from a review department. Uh, But you make a great point and you have to wonder what's going on with Eli Manning and what's going on with this organization and Eli Manning. I get what he has given to the org. I also get that when they won the Super Bowls, they had dominant defensive lines dominant and that is what got them there and that is what won them yes you know Eli Manning getting out of that tackle and heaving it down the field for the Tyree catch is one of the great NFL moments in in history but it it took a circus catch for Eli Manning to win a suit like and and the Giants fans who love Eli you have you got to move on you got to move on. You can't be demanding he stays on this roster. It's got to be Haskins. It's got to be somebody from this draft. I don't know. There's a. Do you think there's a free agent out there that you would bring in and think can do a legitimate job this year? Or are you building towards next year? Um. Well, yeah. The, the Eli. Yeah, it's a good question. But re, here's where I, what I think I would do right now. I would either trade out of that six pick, or sure. take a kick-ass lineman. Dave Gettleman has told you many times in both organizations that he loves hog mollies. It's his word that he likes to use. Yep. And it's offensive lineman and defensive lineman. And that's what I would do. I would build up from the lines and really see if Rosen is available. There was talk last year of the Giants drafting him out, right? Now, if they don't like him, they don't like him. I'm not suggesting they have to do it. Sure. And I can't say that they're stupid if they don't do it. But if Josh Rosen is available for a two or a three because Kingsbury and Steve Kime have fallen in love with Kyler Murray, do it. Go do it. It's going to be you and Washington and Miami. That's the teams that are going to go after it via via a trade. Like the Raiders aren't going to do something like that. There's there's not a tons tons of other needy teams. The Broncos could do it, but realistically, those three teams are the ones that are going to do it. The Giants, Washington, Miami. They can go after it. They can give up a second. You don't think Washington's all settled now that they have Case Keenum in camp? No. Oh, all right. I thought thought that's. Yeah, I mean that is that is the ultimate holdover. I said this last week. I I said this on Gabe Morenci's show. Um, Just watching Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder in Indianapolis, like at the combine, just sitting there watching them, watching them watch players. Yep. I just, like, shook my head. Now, the owner's not going anywhere, but, like, talk about having a yes-man around. Just th- this team has been a disaster. I can't believe Jay Gruden's still there. It's the only smart move that they've made is to keep him there. I actually think Jay Gruden's a good coach. I think he's not set up for success. The the, the injury, obviously, to Alex Smith is really unfortunate. It is possible that they could have won that division if Smith stayed healthy. Sure, yeah. But, um but I think it would have covered up some other things. Like, they were a one-and-done playoff team if they made it. So uh, they're not particularly dynamic offensively. They don't have any receivers right now. They're currently going to roll out with Keenum as the QB. 
the running back situation, obviously they lost uh, Darius Geis, and we'll see what happens when he comes back. He's had some difficulties after post-surgery, so yep. uh, they'll just have to you know, keep plugging away. But they, they need a long-term solution uh, because we don't know if Alex Smith is ever coming back. The fact that we already know he's not playing in 2019 right. signals the fact. I, I would imagine that Alex Smith's career is over, but not a doctor, and I haven't been, you know, we're not privy to those reports. I, I just think that, honestly, if the G-men get a call from Arizona, I really think they have to consider it. And uh, there's plenty of people out there listening and saying, uh, who, what did Rosen do last year? He could not have been in a worse situation in Arizona. Absolutely. So uh, I would give it a shot if – they graded him if they graded him appropriately. If you had a first round grade on him last year and you're in need of a long term solution at quarterback and it's coming and it's gonna come out in the wash that you're giving up a two or a three, just do it. You're almost getting it's almost a freebie. Yeah, pennies on the dollar. You're not at that committed point. to him long term. You've well, gone yeah, for you're, three years. That's yeah, it. You have the rookie deal. Um and it, listen, I I'm still struggling with what Arizona's doing. Um, I don't know if they are, in fact, as reported all in on Kyler Murray. I think it was Jason Lockenforna reporting that it's the worst kept secret that they're going to take Kyler Murray number one overall. There's the, you know, uh, Zupiter film of uh, Kingsbury back in uh, October saying he'd take him first overall. And then you connect the dots that they have the same agent. And I get it. I get all those things point towards him being drafted. But I feel like there is some heavy amount of leaks going on here to the point where it feels planted, where it feels like the this scheme change in Arizona is trying to see if they can get Gruden to bite to trade up to take Kyler Murray number one overall. Uh, well, I don't know if that's the case or not, but it feels like there's more to it than just a slam dunk. He's going number one overall. I'll be the first one to admit that John Gruden just has love affairs with players. I don't necessarily think it's for Murray. I think it could be somebody else. Um, I, I, they have all these first-round picks, but man, if the Raiders were smart, they they just bundle some of these and just keep moving back. You, yep. you don't have to take all the first-round picks. Now, I was listening to First Draft. It's a podcast between Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper, and yep. they were differing. One of them said what I just said, and one of them said that they would take all those first-round picks because you have five first-round picks in the next two years. That's a lot of top-end talent. I would just say that you don't have to keep all five when you consider how many players that they need in order to rebuild. They're an, they're actually a fairly old team considering how bad they were. So they just they've said they need to get younger. Mike Mayock is on record or so. I don't see them doing the Murray thing. I never put it past the Raiders as an organization, but I think Mike Mayock is has his wits about him in a way that John Gruden might not, and it could counterbalance them in, in a big way in order to just kind of hold fast and, and maybe pick some top-end defensive talent. And, and, you know, they have no pass rush now because they got rid of Khalil Mack. So they, there's a lot of holes on that team, and I, I just don't think that they have to roll with Kyler Murray. I do not think they're committed to Carr. I wouldn't be committed to Carr. I've said many times I just thought that they gave him too much money too quickly, and uh, I think there's just better options available either through the draft or uh, not necessarily free agency, but I think there's better options long-term. And I don't think uh, Derek Carr makes it to Vegas as the star quarterback. I would agree with that. I think they are trying to go through a – brand change there when it comes to that offense and figure out exactly what they have going forward. Uh, This is a fun time of year in the NFL. There are a lot of uh, rumors out there, lots of uh, agents and front offices leaking certain information to certain beat reporters. Uh, You have the battle. uh, We can talk about Antonio Brown in the next segment, the battle of uh, Ian Rappaport versus Adam Schefter to break news over there on Twitter, which is always fun to watch. And I will, uh, this is my disclaimer, always uh, beware the fake Twitter account. Beware. There are a lot of them out there, and they're going to try over the next few weeks as we get ready for the draft to get you to retweet them. Just just beware. Look for the check mark. Look for the actual sources. Take the time to, to, to actually read what's being said before hitting the old retweet button. Uh, do oh, yeah. you think here, Mike, that the Giants 
go so far as to continue to keep Odell Beckham Jr. on the trade block? Do we continue to get these strange offers from teams like Cleveland of a bundle of players that have nothing, no sort of merit to them? I think there's merit to the fact that Odell could be traded. Could be. I think it's low because I don't know if the Giants are going to get what they want. But, you know, if they're doing what I just did, if they're doing what I just said, and they went out and they got Josh Rosen, I wouldn't trade Odell at that point. Would right. you? Like, if the Giants are if the Giants are currently planning their QB strategy that isn't Eli, I wouldn't get rid of him. I think right. it's okay to be an offensively an offensive heavy team right now as they build up the defense through free agency in the draft for the next two seasons. It's okay if they don't make the playoffs this year, but the offense is on its way. That is the way the NFL is going as well. Offense, offense, offense. If you uh, get Rosen or any quarterback of merit, you keep Odell for sure. If not, then I don't know what you're doing with Eli anyway. So we're back with more after this. We'll talk more NFL, plenty of Major League Baseball right here on the Fantasy Sports Day. Dan Traver, Mike Blewett, back after this. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Dan Strafford, Michael Lewitt here, Fantasy Sports Today on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Sean Angle behind the glass producing this fabulous show each and every weekend. We do appreciate him. Now, Mike, we talked uh, at length here about what, the... What, what movie is that song from? I, I couldn't place it. I was trying while talking. It's not St. Elmo's Fire. No. If Sean... If Sean, feel free to let us know. <laughs> it is St. Elmo's that. Fire. Is it? It is. I was right. But is it like a Muzak version of it? Nah, that's pretty close to the real thing, man. That's pretty close. I thought it was St. Elmo's Fire. I, 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 something was telling me that it might be that, but um, an amazing movie. I mean, terrible in an 80s way, but really an amazing movie. Oh, yeah. It's I mean, that's incredible. that is nostalgia porn. All, you know, St. Elmo's Fire, yeah. Breakfast Club, like all of them will go down as some of my favorites. But if you were to sit, you know, a teenager down today and be like, hey, watch this. I think you may get yeah. a slightly different reaction. Yeah, I wonder if they would like it. It's such a tra- it's when you go back and watch it. It's such a train wreck that you're right. like, what is ha- like, what is happening? Who wrote this? <laughs> well, Oh, it doesn't make any, none of this makes any I mean, sense. That's pretty in Pink and all all those movies, the, the ah, whole Molly pink. Ringwald uh, yeah. universe uh, has some definite overtones that would not fly uh, today to them. But uh, we I, we can do that as a separate show. We should figure that out at some point. Uh, we revisit the 80s movies. Um, we talked about the Vernon trade. Want to touch on Michael Bennett here. So Michael Bennett traded from or in motion. Uh, I don't know if it's been officially confirmed. Uh, the league year doesn't start till Wednesday, so <laughs> trades can't become official uh, until that happens. But Bennett on his way to the New England Patriots. I'm sure everybody has heard that already. Uh, yeah. The Pats do it again. They they take a late draft pick and add a pretty viable piece to their defense here. It's like uh, a little bit of NBA action happening here. Guys just demand trades, and then it happens. He He was on Good Morning Football. Yesterday morning, said he wasn't interested in a pay cut and instead wanted a pay raise, and he got traded in the afternoon. Uh, So it looks like a fifth rounder is going to the Eagles, and the Pats will get Bennett and a seventh rounder. So the Pats actually even get a little compensation back. They're going to take a hit on salary, $7.2 million in 2019 and $8 million in 2020. I would imagine they can get out of that last year. So this could be a one-year rental. But it also is insurance for them potentially losing Trey Flowers. Uh, It's not a done deal, but they didn't franchise tag him. I knew they weren't going to. Uh, Trey Flowers was, I believe, the first pick in the fourth round four years ago. They got four really good years out of him. The Pats have stacked a whole bunch of compensatory picks via free agents that have left. Um, So the thought process is that 
Well, we hit on Trey Flowers. He's the first pick of the fourth round. Why are we going to pay him huge money when we can just we have all these extra picks? We can hit on another one in the third or fourth or fifth round. I think that's their thought process. And by the way, we can back it up with uh, Michael Bennett, whose brother played there. Probably gave them a sense of how things. Probably gave him a sense of how things work in New England. Right. You know, the Bennetts have a reputation of being very outspoken, and they are. And I don't have a problem with it. Um, I, I, you know, there was the one incident in Houston, which seems to have gone away and Michael Bennett wasn't really ultimately charged with anything. Uh, so I, I don't really consider them to be troublemakers in an off field way. They're just outspoken. And I think guys like that can appreciate the honesty that occurs in new England. There's no BS. Just do your job. We're not going to bother you. But if you create huge problems and start talking to the press, creating distraction, you'll be gone. That's it. That's the job. We'll pay you $7 million for it. So uh, I I just think there's a brass tax way of going about it. And the fact that you have a 42-year-old guy who many people consider to be the greatest player in the history of football uh, overseeing all of it in the locker room, I think it keeps people in line. It just does. Sure, uh, you you hit on their their hashtag for a couple of years. Do your job uh, was yeah. the, the the big phrase up uh, this way. Listen, I, I I hate it from a Pat hater perspective because I think this just adds a, a a very talented player. And you're right, there are things that come with both Bennett's, uh, Martellus Bennett and Michael Bennett, and the way they speak out on certain subjects. But it's not football related. You know, it's not it's not like they're out there talking about teammates and they're not calling people out. They're calling out social injustices they see in the world. And I think you're right. They do their job. They they go about their business the right way. There's not any issue here. There is talk of whether or not Martellus Bennett will come out of retirement and join his brother in New England, which is also something to track here simply because the Pats need a tight end. Even if Gronkowski comes back, they, they play a lot of. Two two tight end sets. They play a lot of rotating tight ends, and I think Dwayne Allen's a free agent too, right? Dwayne Allen on the move, most likely, um, unless he decides to take a pay cut and stay because it's New England and the Super Bowl uh, chances are high every year. But that also is a storyline to track here. I don't think it's a major one, uh, but it's one at least that you could conceivably have Martellus. Uh, and Michael Bennett, and if Jason McCourty resigns, you could have Devin and Jason McCourty. So you have a couple of pairs of brothers in that yeah. locker room that serves. And listen again, I will be the first to admit that I hate the Patriots. I, it's become what what has happened over the years of watching uh, the Jets flounder in that division and then win so much. But everything you hear about the locker room is how much it is intact each and every year. And to your point, that probably starts and ends with Tom Brady. Uh, yeah. And so you get two sets of brothers in there as well that can probably add to the camaraderie, the understanding of family, the understanding of how things work uh, and just sort of blending in. Uh, and also you said, you know, Michael gets the inside scoop from Martellus of, Hey, this is how it works. This is what you need to do. Just put your head down get to work. You'll be good to go. Um, yeah. And, but- and this is also another example of what you and I have talked about on here before the Pats. I, I don't think it's a monumental shift, but in the last several years, you've seen them focus on using the draft, they've always used the draft to their advantage, obviously. And they had two first-round picks last year, which they utilized. But yep. they have done a job in recent years trying to scout the NFL for players. And right. acquiring guy like this is an example of that. Yeah, he's 33 years old. But if they can get Michael Bennett in a defensive line rotation, what's better than that? I mean, right now they're looking at uh, Dietrich Wise Jr., they've got Malcolm Brown, they've got other guys in there, Danny Shelton, who they acquired last year, Adrian Claiborne, Derek Rivers was a first-round pick, was a, excuse me, a third-round pick in 2017, who tore his ACL, so we don't know if he's ever going to be anything, but he's still a developing player. And just putting Michael Bennett in there as a guy that could be part of a defensive line rotation is ideal. Now, if he has to play a full load of snaps every week at 33 years old, you're putting him at risk. But nonetheless, it's a really good addition for them, uh, especially if they're going to lose Trey Flowers, which I suspect they will. Yeah. Uh, Trey Flowers has all the makings of that player from the Pats who they drafted, they built up. He goes, 
goes and gets a big contract right. and probably does not live up to said big contract. <laughs> like, yeah. It just feels it's like been very, very productive. And, you know, Danny Amendola's uh, free now, so you could see somebody like him coming back into the mix. So, um, Pats will obviously be fine, but there's going to be some changes made. The Gronkowski thing is interesting. We haven't heard anything about it. I wonder if he feels differently now that he doesn't have to go out and run as many routes and he can just stay in line and block and potentially win another Super Bowl, Super Bowl collect a few more million dollars. I, I just well, wonder. I, was, uh, I, I thought he was done, but now we haven't heard anything. I thought he was going to make a decision by now. You made mention I I'm, his agents drew Rosenhaus, right? So I, I know Rosenhaus yeah. said uh, a week or two back sweet that they guy. were going to take sure. take some. Yeah, it's a sweet guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's it's a sarcasm. That's one word I don't think I've heard to describe yeah. Drew Rosenhaus. That's really um, fun. The really uh, fun guy to deal with. I'm sure. I, I I can only imagine. The uh, we heard a couple of weeks back. He said they were going to take a few weeks, but it is surprising uh, that we haven't heard more uh, from uh, the the uh, camp here of Rob Gronkowski uh, as we move forward. Uh, the Amendola news you just uh, talked about briefly released from the Miami Dolphins. Don't think that influences a ton, other than maybe rejoining the Hats or going to another team uh, that is close to winning that needs a fourth wide receiver, somebody who can get in there over the middle and, and help move the chains from time to time. Don't know exactly where uh, that fit would be. I don't know if outside the Patriots you have any guesses therein, Mike, of where you could see an Amendola-type player end up. He's versatile enough that, honestly, a lot of different teams could use him. You know, I, I could see him on a lot of different teams. I think Amendola is just, he's a veteran who is really versatile, uh, a, a good pass catcher. You know that he's not an explosive player in the manner that some of these other guys uh, across teams will be. Like, people try to compare, like, Danny Amendola to Julian Edelman to, to Andy Isabella, who's coming into the draft, as if they're all the same player. Not necessarily all the same player. Edelman's a chain mover. Isabella is a track star. And, and Amendola is a reliable veteran pass catcher. But there's no explosiveness there. And he isn't the type of guy that at this stage, I don't think, can be a Julian Edelman-like chain mover. It's uh, it's a situation where if he goes back, I, I can't I can't deal with the path. I one interesting thing we were talking about Gronkowski and and tight ends, and this is something that talking about all the news throughout the week and how all of this uh, sort of bubbles up and can become too much. Nick Boyle down there in uh, Baltimore signing a three year contract extension with Nary <laughs> a regular season stat and just shows Baltimore is so in on the run. He's a great lead blocker and a great blocking tight end and Baltimore said that they thought he was going to get a decent amount of money on the free agent market if they let him walk and so they re-signed him to a three-year deal I'd never heard of Nick Boyle before this deal was done but uh, here he is I think three years 18 million dollars for Nick Boyle to be a lead blocker for this Baltimore attack he played 297 snaps during Lamar Jackson's eight starts which is 102 more than any other Baltimore tight end. So he blocked on 78% of those plays and was targeted only 10 times of the 297 snaps. So um, he played very little against the Chargers because they were behind in that wild card game, but he's a pricey blocking tight end. This is all according to Mike Clay. A lot of that was written by Mike Clay. And what I would say is that from other things that I had read, there are as many as 10 teams interested in Nick Boyle. So he obviously has a reputation for a very, being a very good inline blocking tight end. And you get $6 million a year for being that guy. So a lot of people think that the tight end position is still about Travis Kelsey and old school Gronk and guys just tearing up the league, catching passes. But when you and I and Rich Cermonello sat here last week, we talked about the state of the offensive lineman in the NFL and how yep. it's weak. So if Nick Boyle can be that extra offensive lineman, then he's worth it. If you're miss, if you got holes on the offensive line, but your tight end's good, then all right, we'll keep six guys in, and we're gonna run our tails off. And they do. That's how they're built right now. You just said it, and you're right. And Lamar's got to figure out how to stay in the pocket and throw more effectively. But for now, it's Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson, and three yards in a cloud of dust. It's not too many teams playing it that way, but they'll play it that way for now. Yeah, it's them and uh, the Seahawks, right? And that's yeah. about it. But uh, hey, if it if it wins. Right. 
it, it, it's fine. Everything's fine then. So uh, I agree with you. If Jackson can make that sort of half step forward in being a slightly better pocket passer, it'll be a fun offense to watch as they roll out some different looks uh, against uh, different defenses as they figure out exactly what they're have going. Eric Weddle goes out to L.A. He was released and uh by the Ravens, visited the Rams. And so all of Friday morning, it's, oh, Weddle's going to visit the Rams. Within an hour of visiting, Mike, reports out officially from the Rams that they had signed him to a two-year deal. That's a good first hour of a meeting. Like, I want that sort of job interview. They gave him his number. Two-year deal worth as much as $12.5 million, 5.25 guaranteed, not a ton. So basically he's looking at it. I play one year. I'm going to make $5 bucks. Easy, maybe six or more with incentives. So they're going to lose LaMarcus Joyner uh, to free agency. The Rams have, they've already lost John Sullivan. They've uh, released him at center. So the Rams were all in for 2018. They got to the Super Bowl. And as bitter as that loss is, that's a successful season. They went all in. They made the Super Bowl. Couple plays either way, they can win it. It's a weird thing to say because they were so bad, but a couple plays either way, and they can win the Super Bowl. Um, I, I think this is a really solid signing. They know they're going to lose Joiner. He's, as I read from somebody yesterday, he's still a really heady safety. There was talk that he was going to retire if Baltimore didn't keep him around, but him going back to the West Coast. He played at Utah. He played in San Diego for a long time. He goes back to the West Coast to play with a team that is an obvious contender. I think it's a good deal for both sides. They didn't have to break the bank, and they can let LaMarcus Joyner walk, who they franchised in 2018. He was gonna. They couldn't franchise him again for obvious monetary reasons, right? And they're not going to keep him around. Marcus Joyner is still a good guy. You know, he plays. He plays in. The, he's a nickel safety primarily but a really good player who we'll see the, the the problem for another problem that ties into this too is and you're seeing it play out in front of you by the way LaMarcus Joyner is going to be on the market Earl Thomas is out there Landon yep. Collins is out there you'll see nobody's the the bank is not going to be broken for these players the market for aging free safeties. Now, the interesting thing about Collins is that he's so young and he's a free agent safety. He will probably get the most money because he's the youngest. But teams don't go out because the stats tell you that aging safeties, they break down, they aren't as effective, and it's a difficult position to play, especially now. You're being asked to cover guys all the time. You still have to make a lot of tackles. And it wears you down, Uh, whether it's Earl Thomas, who we're seeing him break down before our eyes. The end of Troy Palomalo. Troy Palomalo is one of the few guys that kept going and kept getting deals. And the end of his career was a far cry from what he looked like when he was defensive MVP. Uh, Bob Sanders was a name that comes up a lot and he broke down. It just it happens quickly and teams don't want to go out and pay safeties big money. So getting a two-year deal for Eric Weddle, even at the end of his career, uh, is smart by the Rams. Yeah, you also have the Honey Badger out there, too. So, I mean, it's That's not right. like, like you have a, a ton of safeties on this market uh, that are going to impact one another. Uh, I don't think it's going to go the way of the NFL, uh, sorry, the M- uh, Major League Baseball and, and how long it took uh, uh, Harper to sign. But I think some of these guys are going to be waiting a decent amount to try to get as much money out of uh, the teams they sign with. Where do you see uh, Landon Collins landing? I've seen the, the Colts listed a couple of times. Any teams like pop off the page to you? Uh, I think that's a good one. The Colts are the type of team that have a ton of cap room. I think that you saw that they, while they played great in the last in their last 11 games, there's some holes there. They need to continue to build out weapons for luck. They're fixing the offensive line, and I think they just need to load up on defense. There was, uh, There's a lack of playmakers there, and I think adding Landon Collins to it is a really smart play by the Colts. Weapons for Luck is the name of my emo band. Check out their single on uh, Amazon. Uh, back with more on the other side of this break. We're going to talk about Antonio Brown. We're going to talk about some rule changes potentially in the NFL as well. Plenty to get to here on Fantasy Sports Day. Dan Strafford, Mike Blewett, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Back after this. 
From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Every Saturday here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Dan Trevor, Mike Blue, we run down the dream of talking fantasy and real sports from 8 to 11 here on Fantasy Sports Today. Appreciate you all joining us each and every week. Professional radio transition right there. Nice job. I try. You know, every once in a while, blind squirrel, nuts. That's right. (laughs) Um... So it's our our weekly segment of Make Mike Blewett Sad um, as we talk about Antonio Brown. So I don't know if it's sad anymore. Right, slightly angry. I just want to be done with it. Yeah, I just want to be uh, done with it. I'm looking for annoyed. uh, Looking for relief. Sense of closure. Um, The the big thing here is how crazy Friday was, or Thursday into Friday. Uh, So you had Ian Rappaport. Reporting, which is always difficult for me to say, Ian Rappaport reporting on Thursday and Friday that Brown was on his way to the Bills, that they had made an offer and it was good to go. Then by the time everyone wakes up Friday morning, Adam Schefter is dunking on Ian Rappaport. Yeah, (laughs) Schefter is dunking on Rappaport saying no deal. Uh, Bills owner, Bills GM say no deal. Uh, Couldn't make it work. They're moving on. As the day goes on, enough comes out, Mike, that it does seem as though a deal was mostly in place, not something to be reported as done, but was on its way to being done when Antonio Brown, via his agent and via their process. Guess whose uh, agent is? Yeah, oh, exactly right. Drew has announced. Yeah. Um, said, no, he doesn't want to go there. And this is becoming a much larger melodrama because... And to their credit, the Steelers are trying to do this the quote-unquote right way. They're trying to to get him out of town, but also do right by him in some way by letting him be involved in the trade negotiations. So they they called him up, said, this is where you're going. He said, no way. Uh, I want to be the highest paid yeah, wide receiver. But that's, I want money. Well, this is ridiculous, though. The, the, so this is my biggest gripe as a fan. And I, I railed last week about people being – on other shows and on this show about people being so pro ownership. Here's, here's the deal. He's under contract, right? Yeah. They're trying to do things the right way. They're trying to get compensation, put him in a place where he's relatively comfortable, but does he just get to keep saying no to all of these locations where they have deals worked out? Cause he doesn't feel like playing there. You asked for a trade. We're trading you and we're getting compensation for it. Why would he get a say in it? it? He gets to keep saying no until the Steelers knock out a $2.5 million check to him on March 17th. It's insane. Why would you get a roster bonus if you're denying their ability to move you? That's my gripe. I, and I have to look into it to see what kind of – I don't think I don't think there's any no-trade clauses in any no. of these contracts. So. Nope. He just gets to keep saying no until the Steelers have to pay him a roster bonus of two and a half million bucks and then trade him. I don't really care whose money it is. I'm just saying the Steelers, given the fact that they are always up against the cap, could use the two and a half million bucks. It's just insanity to me that he gets to keep saying no until they have to cut him a huge check. Until when? Until he ends up in a warm weather city that's really uh, for a really good team. Point to me how many teams like that are out there. There's two, the Chargers and the Rams. I was going to say, they both play out west. Uh, The Niners don't want anything to do with it. I think they're smart to come out and be like, we're out. John Lynch is like, I don't need that headache on my team, even though he didn't say it like that. I'm sure it's what he's thinking. Who else? Who else is a warm weather team? Arizona, have fun. Miami, good luck. Jacksonville, they don't have enough money for you because they need to pay a quarterback right now. Tampa, God bless. Go to Tampa. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that. Brown, Mike Evans. I, I would, Get rid of I would, John Jackson. And then, no, I'm just saying the combustible nature oh, of yeah. that team would be insane. Blaming Jameis. That would be fun. Uh, we have right. uh, 
plenty to go on here around how this is going to play out simply by what we've seen already. And I, I think you're right in that he's holding the Steelers organization a bit of hostage here to use uh, an over-the-top phrase, but a bit of hostage to get to that roster bonus or to get paid more this upcoming season. What's he, $12 million per year of the next three, I think? He wants to be, you know, the claim now out is that he wants to be the highest paid wide receiver. But again, I go back to what I said before about Arizona, and I think... And and this maybe sounds, as I say it, a little bit more like a conspiracy theory, but we have to take these leaks and these stories that break about individual players and teams with a a grain of salt that there's a lot of media manipulation by these agents and by these teams to leak certain information to help the public perception and help them negotiate in the press and help their perception in the press. So. I think this is an ebb and flow. I think Buffalo, to me, would never have been a team I thought Antonio Brown would end up on if we were sort of mapping out where I thought he would go. But where where do we go next? Like, how do you make a next move other than the Steelers just pulling the trigger and him not reporting? I think we're at a stalemate, right? It's going to be this back and forth, this tit for tat, where, where we're just sort of dealing the with... Bills are smart to pull the ripcord. If he's like, I don't want to go to Buffalo... I don't know if I'm going to show up. Then I would have been like, "All right, the deal's off. See you later. Don't. Yep. We're not going to negotiate anymore." Like once he, once he lobs that out there, I'm out on it. Um, you know, I'm still ho- holding out hope that the Raiders, because I told you earlier in the show, Gruden has these love affairs with yep. players, and he has one with Antonio Brown. So despite the fact that it wouldn't not be a wise move for them, I just wonder if that can still happen. Uh, they do have a whole bunch of picks. I'm not suggesting that they'll give up a one. They have the ability to give up a one. If I were a team trading for him, I wouldn't give up a one because I don't think that's what the market is. You're taking on a lot of salary, so I think that's what depresses the trade, the the uh, draft pick coming back for obvious reasons. I, I just don't think they're going to get a one for it. I haven't thought that. I think it's probably a two or a three. And then you got to eat all the salary. You know, it's a lot of money coming in right now. The Steelers' yep. cap hit is going to be twenty-two million bucks, so they're going to just take a huge hit if they trade him, and they got to deal with it. So um, we'll see who else is out there. Cardinals aren't going to do it. I just don't see why a rebuilding team would do it. Cardinals, oh, Raiders, those are two well, teams in the midst. So you're. You're a New York area guy. I don't know if you read the Daily News. Um, Manish Mehta uh, yeah. is the Jets beat reporter and went. Yeah. I don't know if he's a beat reporter or a columnist. He sort of mixes worlds there a lot of times. Sure. Um, but he had a whole article about that the Jets should go after Antonio Brown and and why wouldn't they? And they have to take the kid gloves off of Darnold and realize he can lead a huddle and and Brown won't. Uh, cause any problems because Darnold's a true leader uh, when it comes to uh, holding down uh, the, the roster. There has to also be a discussion around the fact that Antonio Brown is 30 years old and that he's shown himself to be at least enough of a issue to demand a trade from a team when he doesn't get his way. And mm-hmm. as a Jets fan, I love his talent and I'd love to see him play in a Jets jersey, but I don't think it's this clear cut Adam, because Darnold will be fine for a team like the Jets, for a team like Arizona, who's trying to build back up. Antonio Brown needs to go to a place that they're going to win and that they're going to be in the hunt for the playoffs and in the hunt for the Super Bowl. Um, So I do think the Rams or the Chargers are the right landing spots, to be quite honest. Like the Chargers, I think, would be a lot of fun, to be honest. Um, But I I, I don't cap room. Right. Oh, no. It's from the math of it all. I, I don't know. Uh, I just really struggle with trading for a 30 year old. And again, this is colored the wrong way. But I, I'm, I'm going dis- right to dismiss the 80s component, though, because he's been really healthy. He still is extremely productive. I, I don't want to make a leap that the production will subside with him. I understand that that age, that number three is a magic number. It's been, you know, really flushed out in baseball. And in football, we've seen some guys break down at other positions. But right now, quarterbacks are, there's a lot of older quarterbacks that are doing really well right now. Quarterbacks getting a little, it's getting a lot easier to age. Um, 
And Antonio Brown hasn't shown signs of breaking down like a Des Bryant did, like Julio Jones. The taller is, receivers is, is cr- typically. Has his chronic foot issues. And Julio, by the way, is still killing it. So, um, I, I, so I would dismiss the age thing a little bit, only because this contract takes him to 33. I think then you start having that discussion. But right now, Fair. he's as good as there is in the NFL. It's but there are other components to, to what you're talking about. Well, you know, well and what if you're a GM, you're a GM right now, and, and let's take contract off the table just simply because numbers get wonky and trying to figure out exactly the cap hit for individual players. Are you trading for, assuming both are available, Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham? Mm, that's a good one. That's a good one. Odell's a lot younger, but Odell's injury history is way worse. Yep. I actually think I would take Antonio Brown. I do. Because I can't say with certainty that Odell will be healthy. I can't say for certainty that anybody will be healthy. But Odell now, when you look at Odell's career now, he's got an injury history, a significant one. A broken leg, which, you know, that's not some sort of chronic thing. He missed a bunch of games this year. He missed a bunch of games as a rookie. You know, he's missed a lot of games the last two years, Dan. A lot. Mm-hmm. And now I'd be worried that that's going to keep happening. And I have a huge monetary commitment. There's a lot of Giants fans, a lot, that didn't think they should have done the extension. Let him play out the final year of the deal and let him walk. There's a lot of yep. people. And I hear a lot of Giants fans that I'm friends with and that I read on Twitter and everywhere else. And I know that's not shouldn't be the basis of an opinion. <laughs> but of any of any but you do Yeah, but you do see a lot of people that are Giants fans suggesting that they would trade him. That they would trade him as part of blowing all this up. Now I, I, I stated my stance on this earlier like if they make a quarterback decision now to move on from Eli whether it's Rosen or Haskins or whomever else Locke Daniel Jones whatever then I think you just keep around because I think you actually have an offense in place um add another offensive lineman during the draft and I actually think your offense is set for at least a year or two but that that's my opinion I, I would not be quick to trade Odell right now but I would listen to offers right now and they're definitely listening to they definitely should be listening to offers if it's Eli or Bust in 2019. Right and that that just speaks to uh, it, I don't get that fast uh, I said it before. I don't get the fascination with Eli Manning at this point and and if that is where Shermer wants to hang his hat, if that's the hill he wants to to die on for whatever reason the front office is giving him, I don't see him coaching the Giants after next year. If, if Eli is their starting quarterback, or at least the the main cog in their quarterback rotation for 2019, it's it's just going to be a mess. No matter how good the offensive line is, yeah, maybe I do if think Eli's... this is a bad situation for Pat Shermer. I just do. Yeah, it's all. I don't think he, I don't think he's going to see through. I don't think he's going to get through the other side of this. You know, like the light at the end of the tunnel uh, will not be something he'll get a chance to reach. I, I just think no. they're in a in a rebuild mode right now. The offense can get fixed pretty quickly. Uh, by the way, if they cut Eli, $17 million savings, $6.2 million of dead money. So there's a lot to consider, but that's a big savings. And by the way, if you're, if you're paying a rookie, whether it's Rosen, if you're paying a guy on a rookie deal, whether it's Rosen or somebody that you draft, you're in good shape. But if they do this nonsense where they draft like Kyle Oletta part two or Davis Webb part three, however you want to phrase it, then just, you got to be kidding me. Like, just, just, let's just make a decision. The, the success rate of the guys being drafted in the mid rounds of the draft are not good at all. Right. There's only two of them. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Right now it's Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott. Case Keenum is going to be a starter this year. So guys that are like not drafted high, uh, and I'll even do this during the during the break of the top of the hour. I'll come back and see how many guys were drafted outside of the first couple of rounds that are starters next year. Yep, and you'd, you'd be surprised some of the names that are first rounders just at the end of the first round that you don't consider first rounders. You know, like it, it really is amazing Parler's how many of these quarterbacks. Okay. Yeah, first and second. I think first and second. second we're round. talking I mean, third, on, fourth, man. fifth, right? Yeah, yeah like if, if somebody gets drafted in the top 50 picks, I mean, that's a high draft pick. It doesn't all have to be – the first round isn't the only high draft pick. 
I, I will be forever amazed if the Giants continue down this path. And it just a, a franchise like that. And, yeah, we get sort of uh, a little whimsical or, or misty-eyed about years gone by when it comes to sports franchises. And you hear about uh, the proud franchise that is the New York football Giants, as is often said. But this just doesn't seem like the way they operate. Um, and it, it seems like a, a bit of a mess in the front office. They don't know how to transition away from Eli Manning. And they've had now two years to do it. Two full years to figure it out. And instead, they're bringing him back again. And so, Is Eli Hall of Famer to you? No. Was he ever? No. I, like, And here's the thing. For me, with Hall of Fame, I, I think it's a great discussion point. It's subjective, and I do believe it's great for bar discussions, sports radio, and the like. I don't care. Like, I'm not somebody who, when someone gets in, gets upset because they're not Hall of Fame worthy. But to me, Eli was not even one of the top five quarterbacks of his era. So why am I going to put him in amongst the greats of all time when who you, I could you're comparing name him to his brother, to Brady, to Rogers, to Ben, to Breeze? Like yep. those five in front of him? Exactly right. Okay. And, and from a tough. talent That's level. A tough, by the way, it's a tough top five to crack. Of course. And those some of the down. best five. But it's those also, five that I rattled off are all first ballot Hall of Famers. Yeah. And I agree with that. I, I struggle a little bit. Um, with guys like Rivers, too. Uh, Rivers out there in San Diego. I struggle with uh, just... That's the thing. If Rivers is in, Eli's got to be in. And I'm with you. I don't make a big deal about the Hall of Fame stuff. The the one unique thing to me about Eli, he my guys, I can remember in my life, saying that guy's definitely a Hall of Famer and may have played himself out of it for me. Sure. Sure. Well, after I was the thinking Super about Bowl this and... last night as we were getting, as like prepping for the show, and I was thinking about Eli and like hung on too long. The, the and, and that shouldn't be the case. I think I would still vote him in, but the resume just looks worse when you look back at it. He had two really great playoff runs, and they don't win the Super Bowls without him. But the rest of the resume isn't great. Forget yards, total yards. That, that stuff's going to look like video game numbers in a minute. Look at Matt Ryan's passing yards. It's going to be 80,000 yards potentially. So uh, we'll come back and we can talk a little bit more about it. I'm just saying I think Eli could play himself out of the Hall of Fame, oddly. Back with more on that and other topics after this right here on Fantasy Sports Day. Dan Trevor, Mike Blewett, back after this.